Welcome to the Dover Download Podcast, your weekly look at what's going on in Dover, what's going in in Dover, and all things Dover-related. My name is Chris Parker, and I'm the Deputy City Manager here in Dover, and I'm going to walk you through all of that, plus more. This is the Dover Download Podcast, and a big part of this podcast is talking about what's going on in Dover. As I mentioned previously, a lot of what's going on in Dover starts with the planning department. And so today, we're going to meet with Donna Benton, who's our Director of Planning and Community Development. Welcome, Donna. Hi, thank you for having me. And I was hoping that we could have a little conversation about what you see as the pre-planning board stage. How does someone get in the pipeline? What, What sort of is the entry point? to the planning world? So a lot of times it starts with a concept meeting, whether it's just uh, shooting me an email or setting up a meeting with my staff and myself to say, this isn't a project I'm thinking of, or I'm looking at this property that's for sale. What could I do with it? Or this is what I'd like to do. How do I get there? And starting with a concept meeting with us so we can start talking about larger, bigger picture items that would need to be taken into consideration. So some of those might be traffic or utilities or general use allowance. Right. Lighting, drainage, anything of that regard. So that's sort of like the technical stuff. So you're having a concept even before that about just general, you might be aware of. Correct. Of uh, is it allowed by zoning would be a first good question to be looking at. (laughs) That is a good positive place to start. (laughs) Do you find in general people are realistic at that point or are they truly just pie in the sky? It's 50-50. It's always uh, interesting to think to myself if a project's actually going to happen after a concept meeting. But usually it's uh, if they've kind of started doing their homework before coming to see us and know the zoning and have looked at the tables of use and have been searching for property, usually odds are that it ends up coming to the technical review committee and then planning board. And then some sometimes it is pie in the sky and it's cool concepts, unfortunately not always working out, but it's nice to hear about. So who comes to these concept meetings? Is it the owner, the developer, the uh, surveyor engineer, or is it all the above? It varies on the project. Sometimes it's just a potential property buyer doing their due diligence or uh, even to survey and starting preliminary engineering plans at the concept level. Okay. So I've met with you. And I've said, I have the greatest idea ever, and this is the location I want to do it on. And you've said, yep, that actually meets zoning. Then do I go off and bring on my professional assistance? Is that typically what happens? Yes. So we have a site, if it's a site plan, I'll use as an example, we have the site plan checklist, which we would talk about at our concept meeting. You would go off and hire your professional assistants. They would get going on drafting plans. And then if they'd like to, they can schedule a concept meeting with plans with the TRC or just planning staff. Or if they're feeling confident and ready to go forward, they can just come straight to the technical review committee, which is a committee made up of internal departments of planning, zoning, police, fire, business development, a member of the planning board and engineering, and go over uh, the technical aspects of the project, such as the lighting, the drainage, the parking calcs, traffic studies, anything of that regard in terms of uh, what the site's going to look like, how it's fit onto the site, how it meets zoning, how we are going to park it, anything of that detail. So these meetings just happen when they need to happen? They willy-nilly or? The technical review committee meets every Thursday. And typically, if you want to be on an agenda, we just need the materials three weeks in advance. Okay. And then the planning department would be looking to make sure that the application is complete before going to the technical review committee. So I've met with you and I've gone and I've hired XJY surveyor mm-hmm. or XJY engineer. They've done their their work. 
You've given them their checklist so the plan is perfect when it comes to technical review. Three weeks later, after my submission, I'm at technical review. Am I on the next planning board meeting agenda or is there more to it at that point? So we've been seeing usually two to three technical review committees before the planning board. And that way everything is squared away and there's very few conditions of approval at the planning board level. And that way the changes aren't made after the planning board. Any changes made ahead of the planning board. So that way the plans that are going to the public eye and to the planning board are pretty buttoned up and finalized and changes aren't made after the fact. And that way, all that your technical aspects are in place and the planning board can focus on the larger picture items, but then also ask questions at any detail that they want. So in that regard, there really shouldn't be any concern about bait and switch because unlike a, a situation where maybe there's less detail going into the planning board or less post-planning board decisions to be made, it sounds like you're really trying to set up the planning board and the abutters to know exactly what's being approved. Exactly. And that way, when it's being built, it's being built to the plans and we have city staff going and making sure that happens so that there isn't a bait and switch for the abutters or anyone in the public. Okay. So I've gone to technical review and I've gone to a couple meetings. So let's say that's uh, another six weeks. Mm-hmm. And then, then I'm ready for the planning board. Is it typically a... One, two, four meeting, meeting to the planning board, or is it at that point you say you've cleaned it up? So in Dover, since most of the robust review is at the technical review level, as long as those comments and items have been addressed to the staff satisfaction, then it would go to the planning board. And typically we've been seeing approvals in one planning board meeting because all that homework and research has been done ahead of time. How do you convey typically materials to the public and the board? How how can I, as an abutter, find out about a project? So we have um, certainly all the files in our office if you want to come visit us at City Hall, but we also have them online. And the easiest way to find it is if to look at the planning board meeting or the TRC meeting, depending on which one, on our city calendar and clicking that link. And you can find all the materials, including plans, TRC comments, architectural renderings to see what is actually being proposed. So if the meeting is a Tuesday night, Mm -hmm. when do you try to have buttoned up staff comments or expectations? Is it a week ahead? Is it two weeks ahead? What's your goal as the planning director? So plans for both technical review committee and planning board are posted online about a week before the meeting. And then they would get updated as materials are added. So as we've done our staff memo and our staff review, that would then be added to the online materials, usually the Thursday or Friday before the Tuesday night meeting. And then we welcome any feedback and anything uh, received by the planning department or planning board by 4 p.m. on the night of the meeting would be shared by staff to the planning board that night. And then certainly abutters or any Dover resident that's affected by a project could speak at the public hearing. And anyone within 200 square feet of a project would receive an actual abutter notice in the mail to let them know about the project coming to planning board. Now, one of the things that I hear quite often is that people don't read materials these days, particularly I know the waterfront at a recent meeting that uh, that agenda item or maybe not that agenda item itself, but the agenda had about 800 pages of material. One of the things I've heard kudos about is the videos you do. Can you walk us through that? The week before the meeting, I work with the media services department and create a overview video of walking through each agenda item so to give a kind of broader perspective of the project, where it's located and what they're proposing. So you're walking through the agenda as if the meeting is occurring or is it less detailed than maybe at the meeting? Less detailed than the meeting, but to give an overview of what the planning board would be looking at at each meeting. 
And have you found that to be helpful? Do you get any feedback from folks about people seem to like the videos? They usually are one of our highest viewed videos. Is it unique that that happens or is that something that most communities are doing? This Dover is the only community I can think of that puts together these pre meeting videos. So sort of like one of the few communities doing a podcast. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Look at us. <laughs> so one of the other things that you've you've kept up that maybe a predecessor created was the uh, weekly e-newsletter or maybe bi-weekly at this point. What's your expectation for that? We do. So we have an outreach coordinator now who's taken over the e-newsletter put on by the planning department with help of the media services. And it's gone to biweekly just so we don't overdo it. But we highlight meetings coming up and what each meeting is discussing in terms of the agenda items and not just planning board, but our other committees that we've been staffing. So that way it's what's coming up, but also what's happened to try to let people keep track that way and know what's going on. One of the things I... uh read recently was the word of the the planning word of the week. I thought that was a pretty fun way to engage people. Thanks. We're trying to have different parts of it and use it as an educational tool and just in general, uh, make more people aware of the planning process. So the planning process is ongoing and you've mentioned a couple times the process people go through. What are some projects you've seen over the past six months to a year that maybe the public is aware of, but should be aware more of? And there are there developments either that you've seen the board review or that the board is going to review? Yeah, so we've seen quite a few different applications and projects come before us uh, from minor subdivisions involving two lots to uh, the waterfront development. So it's certainly a wide range of different projects, scopes that we've been seeing. Um, one that I think we've chatted about, but 47 Chestnut Street, which is the former liquor store um, Dollar General site on Chestnut Street near the community trail that has just been approved for 173 residential units and some non-residential. So I think that will be nice to see that site uh, redeveloped in that regard. A couple that are coming up are, uh, there's an amendment to the Cielo Drive to see some townhouses there, the Dover Skate Park that people have been waiting for, a couple larger subdivisions. There's a 12-lot subdivision that is forthcoming that they've received. Um, They've been to planning board once, but they need to come back to the technical review committee and planning board for the actual 12-lot subdivision on Oak Street. We're looking at a project with 60 duplex units off of Toland. Uh, we've seen the water tank for the city recently. And at 51 and 65 Bellamy, we're looking at um, 13 single families and 16 townhomes for a residential project over near the high school. What what projects excite you? Like, what are you hoping? And I know there's one commercial user you want, but uh, <laughs> um, but what projects do you get excited about when you're doing your review or in those concept meetings? I get excited about a lot of them. I get excited that we're not just seeing one use. So we're not a community that's only seeing hotels come in. We're not just seeing residential projects, but we're seeing the minor subdivisions. We're seeing uh, not at the planning board level, but a lot of people coming in with accessory dwelling units and increasing the housing in different diverse ways, but also seeing really cool projects right in the downtown that are going to change the look of the downtown, such as 47 Chestnut. Um, seeing the old Macintosh College site redeveloped with Macintosh Commons and 156 units there, um, I think will be exciting to see. So I think I'm most excited just at the diversity that we get to review and look at. I think that's a great point. And I hadn't thought of it that way, but it's a really good segue into diversity of housing, which I think is another conversation that we'll have on a, on a podcast mm-hmm. episode. But where do you see Dover as a, is 
meeting housing in the uh, the region? Do you see us leading, following? How are we how are we keeping up in your mind? So I want to humbly say I think we're leading, especially in the seacoast, of trying to be creative and try to find realistic ways to increase the housing density and housing options, but also have it be at a variety of levels. So we're not just looking at single family housing. We're not looking at just apartments in the downtown. We're trying to offer different options so that everyone's able to attain housing that they would like to be at whatever point they are in their lives. So uh, for the the one listener out there that doesn't know that I was previously the planning director, I'll say that I think it's interesting having watched you, and I'm curious your perspective of this after, having watched you sort of come in and come up, and now you're shaping your own team, what sort of things are you looking for as you continue to say, Chris is gone, we don't care what he did, uh, come on new people, how are you shaping your team to be your team and, and the team for the next 10, 15 years? I think a lot of what I'm trying to do is similar to what you have done. I think I might prioritize like placemaking and kind of your more uh, soft planning type things more. And just in terms of opportunities or smaller events or public art or anything kind of smaller that makes Dover special. It doesn't have to be a huge development. We can be doing these small things throughout the community to make Dover special too. So both soft planning and placemaking are two words of the the week coming up. Placemaking might be. (laughs) One of the things that I think is exciting and you and I have internally talked about this before is, so my predecessor had grown up here and, and he had lived for a long time in the community as part of the community and went to high school with people and all that sort of, and I sort of fell almost in that mold um, and could speak that language. And I think that it's great the way that you sort of picked up on, as as you said with uh, Gina, you like the history here and, and you celebrate the history here, but that you're not beholden to that history. And I think Steve definitely was beholden to that history. And I looked at myself as sort of the transitional person and maybe 15 years was a long transition, but you now are taking things in a, in the next evolution. I think it's really cool from my perspective to sit back and see you make changes, even if they're tweaks and, and see, like you said, you learn from that. And you can say, oh, I like how Chris did X and Y, but I'm going to do X prime and Y prime. And it flavors it a little differently. And I really think that's part of what planning in Dover should be about is that evolution and that sometimes it is a turn off the faucet and we have to be here. And other times it's, oh, that river is going to flow. And by the time you get from the headwaters to the mouth of the Kachiko, you're going to see that that evolution. Mm-hmm. And part of that is we're continuing to learn. So we've seen trends and we've seen uh, science change. So we might have more of a focus on resilience than, you know, Dover might have in the 80s. So I think it's keeping up with the times, but still respecting who Dover is and uh, where it's been, but also how to handle that change in a certain way that makes the most people happy. One of the things that's been an evolution is certainly your staff. And uh, you're the only holdover from people that work for me. It's kind of funny to think that, but you, you're you getting to create your own staff and your own vision. How has that been? So we have four new planners as well as uh, four of us that have been on staff. So uh, it's been nice to see some of these new roles and these new planners and bring their new perspectives, both in the way we do things and what they might want to see out of Dover and build these relationships. If you're at a gathering, whether it's uh, your handy dandy watering hole, whether it's the grocery store, whether it's Apple Harvest Day, and someone says, 
I think I've seen you on TV. Who are you again? How do you introduce yourself and what you do for the community? So I say, yes, you might have if you've been watching a planning board or planning review movie <laughs> video. Uh, no, I usually will say, you might have. I'm the new director of planning and community development, but I've been with the city uh, since 2015 and before that, uh, even in starting in 2012. So I've been involved and kind of been sitting a little bit back, learning and adjusting, and um, now certainly more of a face than I'd probably like to be for the Dover Planning <laughs> Department and want to help kind of shape Dover's future whatever that may look like. Do you get people that still think that the planning department is just reviewing sign permits and prepping site and subdivision plans for the planning board and doesn't see some of the other things that you're working on? A few, but I think that's definitely changing. And I think I'm more hearing uh, throughout the state of Dover's doing so much and how do you keep up with everything that Dover's doing rather than just focusing on what the planning board and zoning board are seeing at their meetings of where we're staffing, I think, 15 to 20 different committees and commissions. And we have larger projects and uh, updating our master plan yearly instead of every 10 years in terms of picking a chapter and a focus of each year. And then certainly being open to ideas that people might have, whether it's a rezoning or resilience effort, um, looking at floodplain management, anything that committee or a different organization might bring to us, we're certainly happy to hear about and help with if we can. I want you to name your top three things, places, things, ideas, elements about the community that you think make Dover the community that you want to continue to be with. I have one that comes right to mind and it's very random and very small, but I love it. And that is the sign outside the library from where staff park at the McConnell Center lot. They always have a a sign with a pun on it. It just makes my morning walking into City Hall and then a couple of us will talk about, oh, did you see it? They changed it. So big kudos to the library staff uh, for what they do and think of on that sign. I definitely love it as a little placemaking piece. So that's, that's one of my first random ones. And then just in general, I would go back to the diversity of the community in terms of um, a place for different levels of economic status. But also we have great open space land and uh, the ocean and um, rivers right here, but also the, you know, the true core downtown. I love the fact that we have both right here in Dover. All right. So that's two. And then a third, the people of Dover, both the staff. <laughs> Everyone's going to pick this one. <laughs> Uh, both the staff and the residents, the amount of volunteers and people that truly care about Dover has been really great to see. And the fact that people are willing to um, help us or either maybe correct us if they want to see something change and kind of bring their feedback to us has been really nice to see. Well, I appreciate all three of those. And uh, I definitely appreciate you coming out. I've said it before. You are exactly the person that needed to succeed me and take the department to a different level. And I can't wait to see how you make the changes and work with the planning board to implement those changes. Okay. Thank you very much. Have a great day. You too. With almost 400 years of history, Dover's got a lot to tell. Up next, Mike Gillis is going to walk us through what happened this week. Early in the morning of August 3rd, 1933, a fire started at Dover's City Hall. It was Dover's third City Hall, the previous two having burned down, and was located where today City Hall now stands. Although early in the morning, City Hall then was also home to police headquarters in the city jail, which was occupied by 16 prisoners when the fire broke out. Prisoners who were either being held on minor offenses or were listed as vagrants were evacuated from the building's basement through smoke-filled corridors along with the police officers. 
The fire quickly consumed the massive four-story brick building, which included a grand opera house and an 80-foot-tall clock tower. Dover's fire chief at the time said the fire was first spotted when it broke through the roof of the opera house and had likely been burning for some time and quickly spread throughout the building. Despite the efforts of Dover, Summersworth, Portsmouth, Berwick, Farmington, and Rochester firefighters, by daybreak, just hours later, City Hall was nothing more than crumbling walls. The evacuated prisoners were moved to the county farm, and police and city officials immediately moved into temporary offices nearby. It was a terrible loss for the city. As the seat for municipal government, it was home to many vital records and documents, much of which was lost in the fire. The City Hall and Opera House had stood for 41 years, having been dedicated on December 16, 1891. The magnificent building, which had cost $250,000 to build, featured a floor in the Opera House that could rise and fall, a chandelier with 95 electric bulbs, three tiers of boxes with brass rails, velvet curtains with gold fringe, a frescoed ceiling, and a Cupid mural. The Opera House could seat 1,800 people, the largest stage of its kind in New Hampshire. Among those who performed there were many luminaries of the day, including Jason Robards, Alfred Lunt, Shirley Booth, and John Philip Sousa's band. The first full-length movie shown here was Birth of a Nation, starring Lillian Gish. The fire was thought to have started by spontaneous combustion. By the next year, in 1934, the construction of a new city hall was underway. Without fanfare, the new building's cornerstone was laid on September 19, 1934. In addition to stone boxes from 1834 and 1890, another containing historical records was also placed with the cornerstone. The new city hall, which was constructed for $303,000, opened completely in 1935 and remains in service to the citizens of Dover today. Thanks for listening to the Dover Download this week. If you like what you heard, subscribe through your favorite podcast aggregator. And if you have something you want to hear a topic on, let us know. Finally, this is just one of the many ways we share information about the city of Dover. You can subscribe to the Dover Download's email newsletter every week or other newsletters that we have by going to the City of Dover homepage, www.dover.nh.gov. Have a great week. Have a great week.